Thank you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message from Senior Pastor John Lofton. Praise God. So we've been talking about that separation between light and darkness because we don't want to get it twisted and get it confused. And unfortunately, we live in a society that wants us confused. Uh, Society wants the church to capitulate to the mores of the culture. But we cannot because the word does not. And so we have to use the scriptures as our filter so we can understand the difference between light and darkness. It It was always that way. The Bible says in the beginning, God divided the light from the darkness. So if God divided the light from darkness in the beginning, is he dividing the light from the darkness today? I believe he is. And so if he did it then and it's still going on today, then we need to understand that there are some differences that the church needs to look like, but that doesn't mean that the church is not loving. Amen? So when God speaks, it is inevitable for something to happen. He has never had a thought that didn't come about. He has never said a word that didn't produce what he said. He's never had an action that didn't have a reaction. So when God says something, something has to happen. God speaks, things change. The Bible says in Isaiah that no word from God is void of power, that it will accomplish exactly what he sent it to do. So when God sends out a word, that word will accomplish something. It will create something. It will do something. When God blessed us, he said he he, he called us to do something. He said God blessed them, and then he said unto them, He said something, then he said, go do something. He said, be fruitful and multiply. That's not just having children. That means be effective in what you're doing. He said, be fruitful. Whatever it is that you do, is it through your education? If it's through your passion, whatever it is, be effective with what you're doing. Produce something, make something, do something, help somebody. So we're not supposed to be ineffective Christians. We're not supposed to sit back and wait for something to happen. We're to make something happen. That's what we're called to do because God said it and we're supposed to be doing it. He said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish, and subdue. That means to conquer and to control your life. And you can't say nothing about controlling the devil if you can't control your own life. He gave us that innate ability called the Holy Spirit that we can conquer and control. It's the word kibosh. It means to bring something that was out of alignment back into alignment. You can kibosh it to conquer it. And then you should take dominion over to control it. God has given us the ability to conquer and control. And the one thing we got to conquer and control is our flesh. Away with this mess talking about, oh, I just I just can't control. I just want it. Yeah, you can control it. You just don't want to. Especially if you're a Christian. God saw the light and he called the light good. So if the light is good, then then the light. Come on now. You can talk to me. This is a talk back church. It's all right. You're not going to go to hell if you talk back to the pastor. So, so listen. So if the light was good then, then the light is? So God called the light good. So the light will always will be good. Are you here with me? Because we got some other scriptures that we need to talk about, and then we'll understand why the light is always good. Now, not only is the light good, God separated the light from the darkness. So in other words, each one of them had an assignment. 
Each one of them had a proper place. But they were never to commingle. I'm walking slow, but it's going to be all right. I know y'all look. I got a good amen and a um. And that's good. Now, you ready to go and dive into this thing? Okay, let's go to Isaiah chapter 5. Now, I hope you brought your Bible that you can write in and didn't bring your little pretty Bible today. Because when you come to this church, you're going to get a lot of scriptures because you need to understand the totality of the Word of God and how it all comes together. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. I'm going to go ahead and start reading while you turn there. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20 says, Woe to those, is that God? Oh, I thought God was calling. Okay, so it said, Whoa, I said, better answer that, man. Jesus on the main line, they said, <laughs> better tell him what you want. <laughs> Praise God. So, all right, so uh, uh, Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light, who put darkness for light, and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Did you hear that? Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. That's mixture. So in my book, hopefully it's going to be out next, next year, in my book, I define mixture as this. When you, when you read my book, you'll understand. When I define mixture, I define mixture as this. Any situation where people mix something that is not of God with something that is godly, that's mixture. It is a deliberate socializing of the things of God with the things of the world. That's mixture. That's what we're dealing with in the world today. Isaiah was dealing with this same culture back then. Isaiah came to rebuke the people and he said, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Well, wait a minute. Evil can't be good because evil is dark. Now, didn't we just go to the book of Genesis and God said that the light was good? Well, then how in the world can we come to the book of Isaiah and now evil is good? It doesn't work because God never said that it was. It was man that perverted what was good and what was light and turned it into darkness and evil. And the Bible says, woe to those who do that, who call good evil and evil good. When we look at our society today. Are we guilty of doing some of the same things? Are we guilty of becoming a godless America? Now, when we have some of our political leaders, and I quote, make this statement. Y'all know I'm politically, I'm not politically correct on any level. So I don't mind offending the politically correct police. But when we have political leaders who make quotes like this, quote, whatever we once were, we're no longer just a Christian nation. We are also a Jewish nation, a Muslim nation, a Buddhist nation, a Hindu nation, and a nation of non-believers, unquote. Well, on the surface, that sounds good. It sounds like this particular leader wants to unite the people, regardless of what we believe, want to bring all the religions together, but to understand all of the religions coming together, you need to read the book of Revelation called The Harlot, because the great harlot is an amalgamation of all religions coming together. And that was the great harlot that caused a lot of people to go to hell. So, but you need to read Revelation to understand. I don't have time to go into that today. However, this person on the surface sounds like he's trying to unite people on the surface. Now, and I would say on the surface, that might be true. 
except that our Constitution and our Bill of Rights are written from the Scriptures. Muslims don't have the same values as Christians. Hindus don't have the same values as Christians. They don't read the same word as Christians. So how can a nation that was built on the scriptures become a Buddhist nation? Or a Hindu nation, or even a Jewish nation who still think Jesus is on his way. Something is wrong, right? It's either true or it's a lie. Again, light, darkness, truth, Lie, Christ, Satan, righteousness, holiness. Are you seeing this? I'm walking slow. I'm trying not to get too excited because don't want to get you guys riled up too much. So if you think that America is still a Christian nation, let me just read a couple of things to you. Because coming from a preacher's side, I get to see a lot of the dark side of, of what America is doing to Christians right now. Uh, the only stuff you get to see on television is the high public publicized stuff. But you may not understand what's really going on with the underpinnings of Christianity. So let me just share a couple of things with you. And then, then you have to decide, are we just like the nation that Isaiah addressed? So let me just read a couple of things to you. Uh, there was a North Carolina pastor, I'm not naming names, uh, who was fired from his duties as an honorary chaplain for the state house of representative right here in North Carolina after he invoked the name of Jesus after prayer. He said, in the name of Jesus, amen, and he got fired as a chaplain from the house of representatives right here in North Carolina. Did you hear that on the news? No, you're not. You're not. Let me give you another one. A senior, a senior citizen center in Port Wentworth, Georgia, uh, told the elderly guests that they could no longer pray over their meals. They couldn't even pray over their meals. Evil, good, good. A federal judge who ordered a Texas school district to prohibit public prayer uh, at the uh, Medina Valley Independent School District graduation, graduation ceremony. The judge also forbade students from using religious words such as prayer and amen. Now, let me just ask y'all something. If anybody's going to get offended by the word prayer or the word amen, you're just a little sensitive. Matter of fact, you're too hypersensitive, actually. I mean, amen offends you? Well, your attitude offends me. Well, I'm offended at you being offended at me. How's all that work? And they'll get offended because the Jesus that saved my wretched soul, I can't say his name in public? I don't care how many times I got to get fired. I am a chaplain. And if anybody on my job at Marketplace Chaplains, if I'm praying, don't ask me to pray if you don't want me to invoke the name of Jesus. Leave me alone. I pray over my own food. But when you want me to publicly pray, and I am a pastor and a chaplain, I am going to invoke the name of Jesus. Without that name, you don't seal that prayer. All that is empty words. They fire me, I'll, I'll go be a chaplain somewhere else. Guess what? Because if that door closed, God will open a bigger door. Because the promotion don't come from your boss anyway. 
The promotion don't come from the north or the south or the east or the west. The Bible said the promotion comes from God. He said, I'll raise up one and sit down another. If you just follow God, he'll fire your boss and put you in the position. If you just follow God and have the right attitude. Come on, I'm telling you what I know. I've experienced this in my own walk with God. I've dealt with training somebody for a good position and then they take my position. I've been there and done that. And God made me forgive the person that took my job. And then he blessed me with a better job and that place closed down. I'm telling you what I know, saints of God, if you just follow God and stay in the center of his will, he will make sure that you're going to be taken care of. And you won't need to go and, and just smooth up to nobody. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. I could have said something else, but you know, from, the, from the ghetto, we say other words. So I'm, I'm going to be nice because we got, we got some visitors. You ain't got to kiss up to nobody. Y'all know what I'm saying? And I use that lightly. We got the kids in here today. The Bible and other religious materials that were briefly banned, banned, the Bible and other religious material was banned from the Walter Reed Medical Center. Bibles banned. And see, and we, we got a man here with the Gideons. He'll let you know that there are certain areas they don't want the Gideons in there. Why? Because the Gideon is going to give you the word. Right. You go in, you go in, in hotels and a lot of hotels now he's probably experiencing this. A lot of hotels now debating about even allowing the Gideons to come in. I just saw a report on that. It's the Bible. <laughs> what are they afraid of? The word. Because there's truth in the Bible. And if you don't have truth, then how will you know what a lie is? See, something about a counterfeit money that you got to understand. See, when money is counterfeit. The FBI agents and all of those who understand what counterfeit money is, you can ask them, you must have to study a lot of the counterfeit money to understand the real. They said, no, we only study the real. Because if I don't know what the real is, how will I know what a See, if you don't know what a real Christian is, if you don't know what a real church is, then you might be following a counterfeit. See, a real church is going to tell you the truth. Because, see, I'm not here to make friends with anybody in this church. But I am going to tell you the truth. Why? Because I'm not a counterfeit. I don't, I don't, your, your giving to this church will never change the way I preach. Never. Because your giving has nothing to do with my blessing. My giving has everything to do with my blessing. So can't nobody, no political figure, can't no football, basketball, any kind of player come up in here talking about they got a fat check. But, Pastor, I need you to soften your message. Out. Get out. <laughs> out. Now, you can leave the check, but you got to get on up out of here. <laughs> I just want to deal in truth. <laughs> hey man, you just leave that check, bro. You know, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Come here, let me pray a blessing on you. Come here, let me lay hands on you. <laughs> Praise God. Are you hearing me today? Right, right. Why? Because as a pastor, I, I go before God without anybody in the church, right? Therefore, when you come to this ministry, you're going to hear truth. Now, sometimes. That truth can be kind of hard to take, especially if you've been indoctrinated. And it, it, can, it can be tough. Some, a lot of you that are members today, you know, when you first came to this church, you, you was like, I don't know. 
I know you was looking at me sideways. I'm like, that brother, I don't, I don't know about that rascal right there. But the more and more you came, the more and more you sensed that that was what you needed in the first place. Well, somebody to stand flat-footed and give you the truth, and I'm not trying to be your friend. Amen? Amen. So you already understand that. Because, see, there is a difference between light and darkness. Because, see, when we have a confused culture, a confused culture and a chaotic generation is a godless generation. Let me just give you some more stuff here. A lot of people don't like to talk about this, but I have to bring it up because it, it's, it's what's real. Killing unborn babies used to be called evil. It used to be called evil because they used to be called human beings. Now they're changing the nomenclature and they call it the fetus now. Well, man can't change what God has already said. Because, see, if you understand the word of God, God says that there's life in the blood. At the moment of conception, there's blood. So God sees that embryo, it's not, it doesn't even have fingers or toes yet, as a human being. That used to be called evil. Now, I understand some of the dynamics of uh, a woman getting raped and all that other stuff. See, we've got to be sensitive about that as well. But even when a woman gets raped, that child didn't have anything to do with it. Amen? So we have to be sensitive in that nature because that, that's, very, uh, that's, a, that's the wrongdoing of somebody violating a woman like that. I understand those dynamics, but I still have to preach from the, from the word of God. Right? Because I'm trying to save your soul and these babies that are being aborted. Right now, 57 million babies, teachers, doctors, and lawyers. Prayer in our schools used to be good. It used to be good. You guys, I remember back in my day, prayer was just a normal thing. You know, even on the intercom, you, you, do, you recite the Ten Commandments. On the intercom, you try that today. That child would get expelled. They would make that child go get a psychiatric evaluation. I'm telling you, well, I've already, that's already happened, by the way, that a child invoked the name of Jesus. Matter of fact, he, he drew a picture of Jesus on the cross. They made that child go get a psychological evaluation because he drew Jesus on the cross. Evil good. It's almost as if Isaiah is preaching to us today. Now, Isaiah wrote that book 700 years before Jesus even stepped on the scene. Evil good. And are you guys thinking right now? Because it's kind of quiet up in this Presbyterian church. Are you thinking? You're processing? All right. I'll just keep on processing then because I'm going to keep on preaching it. Because, see, the reason I have to preach like this is because we are one generation away from that generation, all of them going to hell. Can I, let me give you some Bible. Go to Judges with me. Because I don't like to make statements like that. They're so broad. So let me just take you to the word of God. Amen. 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 Go to Judges chapter 2. Judges chapter 2. Go to Joshua and then turn right and go to Judges. I got tea real good this morning. I told you there wasn't no book of Joshua in the Bible. She had to think about it for a second. But there is. Judges chapter 2. I'm going to start reading while you turn there, because I want you to see something here. Judges chapter 2, verse 7. Are you there? You see it? Okay, you got to have your Bible in this church, guys, so you can see what's in the Word of God. 
Judges chapter 2, verse 7 says, So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua, all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. Now, Joshua, the son of Nun, uh, the servant of the Lord, died uh, when he was 110 years old. And they buried him within the border of his inheritance at Timnath, Hariz, in the mountains of Ephraim. Verse 10. When all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the work which he had done for Israel. So here you have the historical account here. Here you have the man Moses who brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. He brought them into this land. It wasn't the land filled with milk and honey, but he brought them to a place to help them understand who God was. He developed the tent of meetings where uh, we understand all of the elements of Christ because the tent of meetings had three different chambers, the outer court, the inner court, and the holy place, the most holy place. And so that, that whole setup was all about Jesus. They had a nine-foot linen uh, wall all the way around the temple, and it was only one door. All of that is symbolic. Linen means that it's pure and that you can only get to the temple through purity. And there was only one door, that only, that the only one way to get into the temple. There's only one way to get to the Father. That's through Jesus Christ, who declared himself to be the door. Now, you can try to come a multiplicity of ways, but you can't get to God unless you go through Jesus Christ. I didn't write the book, but that's how I preach it, because that's what's written. Jesus said, no man can come to God but by me. So Jesus is the door. There's only one door, and you got to be pure to get into that door so that you can give your bodies as a sacrifice. You cleanse yourself with the washing of the word and then you go into the holy place where we understand the showbread, which is indicative of the word of God, that we got to understand the word of God. And you have the menorah, which is the lampstand, which was in the holy place, indicative of the Holy Spirit, because you need the word and the spirit. Because if you got the word without the spirit, then that's going to lead you into legalism. And if you got the spirit without the word, it leads you into the occultism. You must have both and bring them in balance because the next furniture that you see in the house is the altar of prayer. Because you got the word, you got the spirit. Now you can pray a prayer that God responds to before you can go into the holy of holies. So Moses was trying to teach the people how to follow God. Now, we know that Joshua was Moses' minister. So now after Moses died, Joshua took the reins and Joshua began to tell the people about God, all the great things that God has done. Listen, we need to follow his commands. Don't follow the way of Baalim or the way of Ashtoreth. Don't go and marry those people because they're idol worshipers. There are certain things that Joshua taught them that they didn't do. But after Joshua died and all of his leaders died, the Bible says that there was a generation that rose after them that did not know the Lord. So what did they do? If you keep reading the story, I'm a paraphrase, then they got right into the things that Joshua and Moses and God is trying to keep people from is idol worship. And the biggest thing that they practice in any society, in any culture that doesn't have God is perversion through sexuality. Kind of like it is today. So write this down, write this down. When bad behavior is accepted and sin is tolerated, 
it will become what society considers as normal. Let me say it one more time. When bad behavior is accepted and sin is tolerated, it will become what society considers as normal and will be socially accepted. Is this making sense? Can I keep going? Are you sure? Now, I have, I have made this statement, and I want to clarify some things on this statement. I have made the statement that all sin is the same. But I need to bring some clarity to that statement because not all sin is the same. Because once you go into a deeper study of understanding sin, you will understand that there is a sin that's worse than some of the others. All right, now, I made that statement. Now I got to prove it by the word, don't I? All right, so let's go to the word. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. So you got to ask yourself, is there a particular sin that is viewed worse than other sins? Now, I, I have taught that all sin was the same. Have you ever heard that statement? However, again, that's why studying the Bible is so critical and understanding the word of God. But that's really not true. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. So let's get into this. 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, I said second, but it's 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. Verse 14. Verse 15, 15. It says, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Now, now, let me just give you this caveat. God is not talking to unbelievers. I mean, Apostle Paul, who wrote this. So he's not dealing with unbelievers here. He's talking to Christians. Somebody say, he's talking about me. So if you're saved and you're in this room, he's talking to you. If you're not saved and you're in this room, he's not talking about you. So what I'm about to present to you is for the people who say that they're saved. All right, you ready? He says, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall then I take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? The members of Christ and make them members of a harlot. What is he talking about? He's talking about getting with a prostitute. And you don't get with a prostitute to talk. Oh, I just want to share my feelings with you. Here's $200. I don't know any situation like that that a man is going to get with a prostitute just to share his feelings. So what Apostle Paul is dealing with is what? I know the kids in here. We, you're dealing with that, that, that three-letter word, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. So don't make me say it. But y'all know. Y'all got it, right? So that, that's what he's talking about. He's dealing with that one area because he, he has to lay a foundation of how vitally important it is that we understand this sin. Okay. So he says, certainly not, verse 16, or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot in one body is one body with her? Wait a minute. So that means that you can have multiple partners. But each time you lay with a partner, you become one. Now, he's talking from a spiritual context here. So that means every partner you have, a piece of that person is in you. That's why people who go out and do multiple things with multiple people, 
That's why they're so messed up on the inside, because you got all of these spirits bound up inside of you and every spirit wants time. And that's why you keep jumping from partner to partner to partner. I'm talking about homosexual and heterosexual. So what I'm dealing with here is both. Multiple, multiple, multiple. Guess what? Every time you lay down with them, you get up with a piece of that person. And that's why they're so messed up on the inside. They are tobu wabohu. They are void and formless on the inside. Why? Because they are away from God. And then they claim to be Christian. But Apostle Paul says, if you are a Christian, why are you laying down as a harlot? He says, certainly not. Do you not know that your body belongs to God? And how are you going to take something that belongs to God and use it in a perversive way? Light and darkness, saints of God. I call it like the Bible says it. And we got to get back to teaching the word of God. Oh, we're going to lose this nation. We are the only nation built on the premise of God other than Israel. That's why America is being torn down from the inside out. Because the devil don't want America to survive. And there are people that are politicians who don't want America to survive either. And I think as Christians, you better open your eyes and stop being bamboozled by what you're hearing. And stick to this word. And then he goes on to say, but he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. That's verse 17. Verse 18 this is what I've been trying to get to. It says, flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. That's different, saints. He said all the other sins. If you're just a thief, that's outside of your body. But he who commits any type of sexual sin, he commits it against his or her own body. Apostle Paul said this body is not yours. So it doesn't matter if you are a heterosexual man having an adulterous affair. That's outside of the parameters of God. It doesn't matter if you're a homosexual man having sex outside. It's the same thing, saints of God. We got to see it as sin. All sexual perversion is sin. All of it. Because you commit it against your own. I'm walking slow so we can see this. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying this. I'm not trying to say this in an unloving way. For people who listen to this podcast, I, I am not trying to say that we're not, not loving to, all, to the homosexual community. That's not what I'm saying. As a church, we love every community. However, I still have to teach the truth. Amen? Amen. So he goes on to say, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and you are not your own for you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Sexual sin is put on a different level than any sin outside the body. So I had to come out and tell you the truth about the word of God. Now, turn left to Romans chapter 1. Let me give you some more truth. I know this might be a big pill to swallow, but I'm going to keep on teaching you truth. Will you allow me to? Okay. Romans chapter 1, verse 24. It says, therefore, God also gave them, them. Who are the them? These are people, if you go up and read, let's go to verse 18. 
For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, all ungodliness. The wrath of God is coming on all ungodliness. All of it. And unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So in other words, they hear the truth, but they suppress it. They know it's true, but they suppress it. They keep it down. They know what they're doing is wrong. Listen, even when I wasn't saved and I was out there doing my stuff, I knew what I was doing was wrong. You don't even have to have the Holy Spirit or, or say you're saved, sanctified, filled with the precious Holy Ghost to know that you're doing wrong. Amen. So you're going to tell me you want to live a sexually perverted lifestyle and you say this is right, good, evil, and evil, good. They know it's wrong. Why? Because God created them. Every person knows what's right or wrong. Even those little ones, you beat their little behind when they do something wrong. Why? That's how they know. But if you don't put boundaries on children, they will run amok and they will run your house. <laughs> Ain't no little person coming up in my house trying to run my house. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, yeah, I will be arrested. That's what's wrong with society today. The psychologists got into it and they say, oh, you need to put them in a timeout. Timeout. No, it's time out for that. You need to beat that behind. The Bible says that we should discipline our children. I'm just only teaching the word of God. Now, it didn't say beat them. Now, I got some memories. <laughs> Even when I think, think, of, think about it, you have <laughs> withdrawals. My, my, my daddy would make me get my own switch. How many had parents like that? Come on. Come, man, let me, just, let me just talk a little bit here. Since we're among family here, let me just talk. My daddy, I knew I'd done wrong. I knew it. I knew it. I would just say, Mama, please beat me. I wanted my mama to do it because my mama, she's a mother. She's loving. She's nurturing. She'll do it, and I'll, and I'll cry louder, right, because I'm trying to play on my mom's emotions. But my mama, I hate when my mama said, just wait till your daddy get home. <laughs> mama, please beat me. Can you, can you? <laughs> and, and man, I could hear my daddy's car coming up the street. Oh, man. Boom, 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 boom. And I can hear him. I hear every step in the house. Man, and as soon as he opens up, what is this your mama telling me, boy? Well, daddy, let me just tell you what happened, man. No, no, I don't want to hear it. And whatever is near, now, see, we can't parent like this today, so let's have some balance here. Whatever my dad could get his hands on. So I would hide my racetrack. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Because he would grab, if it's on the floor, he would grab a piece of that racetrack. See, I'm not advocating beating kids here. So anybody listen to this podcast, just hit my, hit my heart in here. <laughs> That's not what we're advocating in this church. But he would do that to discipline me, right? I didn't like it. I turned out okay. I, 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 I'm not on much medication. But <laughs> but what we got to see here is this, saints of God. You are a parent. And a parent is supposed to parent. 
A parent is supposed to put boundaries on your children because if you don't give kids boundaries, they won't know where to stop. See, this is why our society today is so messed up. I almost said jacked up. That's ghetto. I'm sorry. This is why our society, young people today, are running amok. Why? Because we got younger mothers having kids younger. You got the grandmothers that we used to go to that are full of wisdom. Now, grandmama is twerking in the club. Now, can I call it like I see it? Now, 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 we used to have a core group of old mothers that we could go to. Who do we go to now? All the grandmothers are dead. And guess what? The mama never picked up the reins of raising that family structure. How many of you saw, how many of you like Tyler Perry? You know, uh, you, you can pretty much guess how the end of the movie is going to be, but I like his movies anyway. I mean, it's not nothing to it. You know what's going to happen, right? But I like the movies because of what they project. Amen? Now, a lot of people say a lot of bad things about Tyler Perry. They need to get their mouth off of the man because ain't nobody else out there doing good movies. They're trying to tell a good story. So get with the program, shut your mouth, and let the man do these movies so we can understand what's going on in our culture. Amen? Family reunion. Y'all remember that movie? You remember that scene? I thought that scene was so, it, I, it made me cry. I thought that scene with, the, with, with, the, with the, uh, the matriarch of the family was ringing the bell, right? A lot of you guys haven't seen the movie. You need to go see the movie Family Reunion. And what they saw, the mother, uh, the, the matriarch was walking and looking at the kids, gambling, fighting, looking at the young women, shorts up to here, shirts up to here, gyrating, you know, doing all these other things. All the old men looking at all the young girls. That's their cousins. That's gross. Family, man. But you see all of that. And she called them back to what the family structure meant. She put some boundaries around their little behinds to let them know that they are family. And when you break down the family structure, you break down a nation. This is what the enemy wants us to see. Yes, black lives do matter. But do we understand what the real premise of this is? It's sin. Yeah, we can deal with those cultural things that are happening today. I know that there are racist people today. I grew up in Alabama. I dealt with racism in my face. But as a pastor, I see what the real issue is. We can address Black Lives Matter, but if we don't address the sin, nothing is going to change. What is the sin? The sin of racism, if we don't deal with that sin. But there's a lot more going on, and I'm just talking to the black people here right now. There's a lot more going on in our culture than what we see on CNN. We got to start loving each other and we got to start building up our own families and stop depending on the government to do stuff for us. This kind of stuff make me angry right now, boy. I'm telling you right now because I can see how we've, we've, we've become so dependent on government. No, they don't care about. Thank you, Pam. You know what they care about? Padding their pockets. Black and white politicians alone. All of them are all about the money. If something happens, Al Sharpton is not coming unless somebody's going to cut that brother a check. I, you better hear what I'm saying. He's not showing up because he loves you. 
You're going to have to cut that rascal a check. <laughs> Are you hearing me? Guys, I'm not, I'm not angry. I'm just telling you what's, what's going on in society today. Because as the church, we got to get back to understanding what's fundamentally going on in society. And I can't do that when I got some tither in my pocket. This is all about giving you the truth. This is, a not, this is not about being Democrat or Republican or independent. This is about truth. They all are doing a horrible job at killing this nation. Every one of them. So I don't, I don't, I don't get on any of them. I'm not in any of them pocket. I just call it like it is. That way I can just keep my spirit right. Amen? Calling good evil and evil good. Do we see that today? So when we start talking about sexual perversion, and I get this, people say, well, I, I, I'm really not hurting anybody with what I do. I mean, it's, I mean, I can do, I mean, right? I mean, you've heard that, right? I'm really not, I'm really not hurting anybody. It's all, you know, me, you know. So let's go to Proverbs. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 6. Again, I like to make sure that you understand what's going on in the Word of God. I'm not hurting anybody. Pastor, you don't have a right to tell me how to legislate my life. <laughs> well, let me just clean that up real quick before we go to the Word. If you call yourself a Christian, I do have a right. Apostle Paul says we do have a right to judge those who are in the household of faith. Now, you better understand what the Word says. Because people say, oh, wait, wait a minute, you don't have it. Well, are you a Christian? Then I got a right. You have a right to tell another person who is a Christian, who claims to be a Christian, if they're not living right, and you are, you better make sure you're doing it right, first of all. Pull the moat out before you, you know, anyway. So, <laughs> but you do have a right to say, you know, girl, that ain't, that ain't right. You know, you know what, what you're doing, that's not right. Now, this is what they're going to say. Oh, you judging me? Well, yeah. <laughs> Apostle Paul calls it. Righteous judgment. <laughs> now, now, this is what the Bible says compared to what society wants you to think it says. It's called righteous judgment. And we, as, as somebody said, he's talking about me. We as Christians, we have the authority to confront another Christian. You got that authority, saints. You don't have to have a title on your name. You're just a Christian. And what you're doing, you're not doing it to be mean or nasty or judgmental. You're doing it because you know the error of their ways and what path, what's going to happen at the end of that path is destruction. That, that's why we, we do it out of love. Right. But they but don't allow people to take your love and call evil good and good evil. No, correct them with love. <laughs> Amen. Uh, OK, let's read this. What's my time? Like? OK, I'm wrapped. I got to wrap this up. Proverbs chapter six, verse, verse uh, chapter six, verse, uh, verse twenty-six says, "For by means of a harlot, a man is reduced to crust of to a crust of bread. By the means of a harlot, oh, I'm not hurting anybody. You hurting yourself, right? He said, by means of a harlot. That means if you go lay down with a harlot, she's going to reduce you to nothing but a crust of bread. And an adulteress will prey upon." His precious life. So in other words, when you commit an adulterous act, 
homosexual or heterosexual. The Bible says you lose your life. That's what that's talking about right there. Now, let me just give you this foundation. When the Bible was written, they automatically assumed that marriage would be between a man and a woman. That's why it says an adulterous woman. It's automatically assumed that all marriages would be between a man and a woman. Now, God is the one created that. Man can't change it. Now, as a church, where do we stand on that? I believe in the traditional marriage between one man and one woman. My views will never change. You got to know that as the pastor of this ministry, that view will never change. I don't care what law is passed. I follow God's law. Now, I wish we had more preachers with these mega churches that would just tell the doggone truth and stop capitulating to the culture. All they have to do is stick with the word. Yeah, people are going to get up and walk out, but God will bless you with more. If you just stand on the truth of his word, saints of God, I'm just standing on his word. That's all. I'm not trying to be unloving at all. And because I believe in the traditional marriage doesn't mean that I'm unloving. That's just what I believe. That's what I stand for. It's the standard of God. Guys, that's all it is. It's the standard of God. And we as a church are not unloving people. Just because we tell the truth, it doesn't mean that we're unloving people, saints. Hello, somebody. Okay, let me give you a little bit more here because there's a whole lot more here. It says, can a man take fire in his bosom? This is verse 27. Now, this, this right here, oh, God, let me just, let me break this thing down real slow. Verse 27, can a man take fire, bless you, can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? All right, brothers. Can I get the men to say, yeah. yeah. All right, brothers. Okay, we're talking about the crown jewel. Let's just say, you got a, hot, a big, big handful, well, not a handful, you just got a bucket full of hot coals. And you just say, I'm a man, I can handle this. And you just jump, you just drop that hot coal in your lap. And you say, well, what I'm doing ain't hurting nobody. I'm doing it to myself. Yeah. <laughs> but who's going to get hurt? Who's going to get hurt? It's a rhetorical question, but it's one we got to answer. Somebody is going to always get hurt. I'm not hurting anybody. I'm just doing it to myself. Somebody's going to get hurt. Okay, let me just break this thing down to North Carolina English. If you are a married man, all right, you did, baby. See, you're already all up in there. That's why, that's why we connected, see? All right, all right, all right cool. I'm going to hit and pound me on that, all right? You're a married man. You go out on your wife with another woman. The Bible calls it adultery. Now, if that wife finds out about it, then there's going to be a divorce. Everybody gets hurt. Somebody's going to get hurt. Or if a man leaves his wife and goes to another man, 
somebody is going to get hurt. And since we're living in the society that we're living in, today you got people who practice a different lifestyle get married. Now they're trying to get a divorce. Now they're trying to figure out, well, who's going to take, who, who's going to pay alimony if, who, who's the man? Well, who, who? So now the Supreme Court is in a dilemma because of what they did. Now, they don't know how to divvy up the stuff. I would just like to bust through the door. See? <laughs> You're messing with stuff that you should be messing with. The answer is nobody, man or woman, can take hot coals in your lap and not get burned. What is the whole premise behind this? If you do stuff like that, if you're single and you out there having sex, the Bible calls it one word, fornication. The Bible still calls it that. Why is it that preachers don't even say that word anymore? It's like they're cussing folks out. It's in the Bible. You're, doing, you're having sex outside marriage. It's fornication. Guess what? You're doing it against yourself. So I think I've covered pretty much every relationship, homosexual or heterosexual, is still sexual perversion. And it's greater than telling a lie. According to what the Bible just said. Because why? You're committing this against your own self, guys. That's why it's important to understand what the scriptures teach. Because you might be following somebody out there that don't have a clue about what the word of God really says. And this is why you have to make sure you go to the right church. Because there is a lot of preachers won't even touch the stuff I preach about. They're too scared because they know some of them tithers going to get up and walk out. They know that because he's bought. Or the deacon board bought him. Well, ain't no deacon board in here. You can't, you can't vote me in or out. I got rid of that whole, that whole society is gone. I just kicked that to the curb. You can't vote me in or out. I can just preach what I want to preach. I can just give you the truth. And I don't have to worry about some deacon getting upset about what I have been preaching on. And then all of a sudden they have a secret meeting and say, we got to get rid of our pastor. Some churches today would be great churches, but they got rid of the one man that was set in order in place because somebody got upset with the pastor preaching the truth. I'm just going to tell you the truth, guys, and you go home and you study these scriptures and you read these scriptures yourself. And if I am wrong, I will be the first one to ask and beg for your forgiveness. And I will study it more because obviously I missed something. But if I am right, then you have to make the decision if you're going to follow the truth or, or you're going to follow culture. Just because it's accepted, don't make it right. And y'all know what I'm talking about here. It doesn't make it right just because it's accepted. And by the way, most people, the most men that I've dealt with, there was always a root to why they were feeling those desires. Usually it was being molested. I'm talking about just the men I dealt with. And most psychologists will tell you that that's, there's a root to it. And any respected psychologist or psychiatrist that understand truth, they will tell you that there is no gay gene. You cannot 
be born that way. Again, if there's a homosexual person listening to this podcast, I am not advocating hate. I'm just telling a reality that there is none. Everything can be tied back to a situation that happened in their life. And they will tell you, I've always been this way. However, they've only been that way from what they remember. Now, that's the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. But guess what? The church has missed it because we have been so unloving to them, thinking that somehow they got some kind of plague. And we got to get better, church. We got to get better. They need to know that we love them with all of our heart. But they also need to know, just because I love you, doesn't mean I'm going to compromise on truth. Amen? Amen? But as this church, we are, every, I guarantee you, everybody in here, you got either a family member or a friend or coworker who's living an altered lifestyle. And they're wonderful people. Every, everyone I work with or in my family, beautiful people. Love them, love them, love them with all of my heart. You can count on them more you can count on Christians. I'm just telling you what I know. So they're not evil people, they're not nasty people, they're not mean people. Saints, they're lost. <laughs> can we just get back to what the Bible teaches and say we need to love everybody? And we need to be, we need to be more, we need to have just as much mercy for other people as God has on us. And not be mean. Don't look at them all. Come on, saints, we got to get better. I, we know that that ain't right for a man to twist like that. We know that. But don't, don't, don't have this face, right? I've seen it. Don't have this face when you see somebody like that. You know, you know how we can get. Don't, don't do that. But guess what? Somebody saw you do it. And then you want to give them a card. Tell them I come to my, don't do that. Don't, don't tell them you go to this church. Mm-mm. Just don't, don't do that. Can we be more loving? Because that's the, the only way that we're going to win back the homosexual community is through love. I want them here. Because I want to show them what it feels like to love a person unconditionally. And that they don't have to perform. We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. Or you can find us on the web at www.changeatc3.org. That's change, C-H-A-N-G-E-A-T-C, the number three, dot org. Or call us at 704-821-7368. Covenant Community Church, where the truth is revealed.